Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis Dahl and we are at episode number 42. I think that by now everybody knows I'm Barbara Logan. We got to uh, turn the gear a little bit. Maybe we don't need to introduce ourselves because everybody knows us already. But yeah, I always hope for a new listener. So, well, go ahead, start again. Greetings and welcome to Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. My name's Barbara Wojan, and that's Elvis's other voice. <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good in 2019. We here at Summer seem to be starting off pretty strong, and I hope it's a good sign for the industry. Are you guys going strong into 2019? Um, We had a couple really light days, which I think we were so busy in December, everybody kind of chilled out, was able to leave early. And to be honest, I was grateful. But now we're starting to roll again. We're starting to um, really, really um, get some work in here. So yeah, I'm, I'm grateful as well. And we're staying busy. Yeah. But I'm always ready for a couple slow days, to be honest with you, because we hit it so hard this summer <laughs> that, you know, everybody's burnt out. So it's, it's a good thing. Looking back at 2018, I'm sure that there are some things if we could do over that we would. The important thing is, is that we learn from our mistakes. Or hopefully you did. Yeah. Barb and I would like to do a roundtable episode talking about mistakes that you made in the past, what you learned about it, and how you're going to fix it. It could be either a bad equipment purchase, hiring the wrong type of person, or even switching techniques that ended up biting you in the arse. Using the wrong company, using the wrong materials, firing things incorrectly. I'm with you. So if you're interested... Contact us at info at voicesfromthebench.com. We'd like to put together two to three different technicians, lab owners, managers, anybody willing to come on to talk about some mistakes they made in the past. And let's see what we can do about preventing others from making the same mistake. All right. I'm in. Today, we're starting a new interview with two women who really, really do a lot for our industry. Valerie Berger and Pam Johnson started IDT Magazine. Inside Dental Technology is a monthly publication that is a welcome insight to our industry. I love the magazine's different perspectives on the different aspects of dental technology and especially how it affects the dental community as a whole. During this interview, we learn that it takes a lot more than just articles to make a magazine as good as IDT. Heck yeah! So please join us as we chat with Valerie and Pam. Voices from the Bench. The interview. I'd like to welcome to today's interview, we have two people from IDT Magazine, which is the acronym for Inside Dental Technology. We have with us Valerie Berger, Vice President, and Pam Johnson, Founding Editor. How are you guys? You're great. Great. Thank you, Elvis. Yeah, I appreciate you guys joining us. Thanks for having us. This is a great idea. I appreciate that. So you guys are the ones that started IDT Magazine, correct? Pam and I founded IDT in 2010, eight years ago. We approached Aegis Dental Network about adding a laboratory component to their existing clinical platform. We then put together a business plan and shortly thereafter, Aegis brought us aboard to work together to build out the laboratory platform. 
When you started the magazine with Aegis, how many issues did you have that first year? We originally started out, Elvis, with 10 issues a year. And then within the first, after the first full year, uh, or it was not a calendar year, actually, we uh, increased that to 12 issues a year. We joined Aegis with uh, kind of a computer full of dreams and segments to start the magazine and a business plan. And they were with us for the launch of our, our first issue. Yeah. Oh, I see. We knew what we we wanted to do. Uh, Dental Lab Products had the mission is a product focused mission, so it's very very limiting. Mm-hmm. And as you both know, the dental lab industry was changing at such a rapid pace. We felt that there were some serious issues that needed to be addressed that were not product related. So we felt very constrained and we knew we needed to develop a a publication that touched on all the different changes and all the different areas that were impacting a, a laboratory on a monthly basis. Well, and also there's a funny story about prior to launching our first issue. I don't know if Pam wants to share it with you, but, uh, it, uh, the whole issue was buttoned up and in her computer, and we had been on uh, a road show going out to many of our manufacturer sponsors uh, trying to get support of the launch. So Pam had been working on all the editorial portions, and I'll let you finish the rest of the <laughs> Well, we, had, uh, we were in Minneapolis, and we were visiting 3M. Uh, we arrived early, so we decided that we'd have uh, lunch, and we found this wonderful little restaurant, and sat down, had lunch, left, went to 3M, had our meeting, and got to the airport, and I went to the back of the car to retrieve my briefcase, which had my laptop, which also had every article oh. Uh, that was going into our first issue on it, unbacked up, not backed up by any means whatsoever. It was not there. Oh. Now, let me tell you, I used some very non-editorial terms at that <laughs> point. I don't know what um, the ones that would be quite embarrassing had anyone heard them, except for Valerie. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we were so fortunate. Uh, we called... Uh, our partner at 3M, Kathy Weber, who had, we had met with, she rushed down to the restaurant. They had the computer. She shipped all that back to me within, well, 24, the, 24 hours. hours. Wow. wow. And so thus the first issue of IDT, <laughs> October 2010, was saved. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I heard some very colorful words. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, panicked. Oh, I can only imagine. It's very. Well, I have a question. So were you guys both involved in some way in like a, in the lab business before you decided to do the magazine? Kind of give us a, a picture of what you did before and how you segued into a, a laboratory dental magazine. Well, we both worked together at another publisher at the time. It was Advanced Star and Pam had been working there on Dental Products Report Europe, as well as Dental right. Lab Products. Uh, and I joined Advanced Star, and I was working on DPR, or Dental Products Report, 
as well as starting to dabble in dental lab products. And that's where Pam and I really got to know each other much better. And she taught me the lab world, actually. You know, we, we are partners, but she's been more of a mentor, so to speak. Um, and so at our time at Advanced Star, we knew that the direction that we wanted to go and what we uh, felt passion for was was not happening. So we were really looking to bring education to the industry and just got this lame brain idea on let's do this. In a down economy. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't have happened when the economy was booming. We had to make this decision when the economy was rather challenged. Well, I think yeah. you nailed it when you said passion, you know, when you come together and you have a lot of passion, sometimes you just go for it. It sounds like that's exactly what you did. <laughs> that's exactly what we did. And I think, you know, I had been with editor-in-chief of Dental Lab Products and DPR Europe for 12 years. And Valerie then came in somewhere around year seven. And Advanced Star had decided that each of the publications needed a publisher. And that made all the difference in the world with dental lab products when Valerie came on board because DLP at that point was kind of an afterthought for Advanced Star. And Valerie really took it and, my goodness, made it, you know, the star of the lab industry. Oh, it's very are. true. It's very true. Well, how did you get so passionate about laboratory? <laughs> you know, Elvis, I don't know. We haven't figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, no, we feel so fortunate to be a part of such a wonderful, kind, welcoming community. I don't know of another arena in dentistry that I would rather be involved in than this one. Absolutely. Yeah. And it really is an environment where, you know, if you're trying to learn like I was, you could walk up to really anybody, whether it was a manufacturer or a lab owner or just somebody at a show, and they will really take the time to explain something to you and, and they're passionate. So that was just really a, a benefit to, to it all. Um, in my opinion. Yeah, totally agree. That's one of the reasons why the podcast is so easy because everyone's so willing to participate and share. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's true. great. And we've talked to other guests, uh, you know, almost weekly about how amazing our industry is and how everybody's willing and able to share with each other and just open. And even though we're competitors in a sense, you know, we're all willing to help each other. I, I think that says a lot about the people of our industry and our industry in general. I do too, Barb. Pretty, pretty amazing. So let's talk about the early days. Once you found the laptop again and that first <laughs> issue came out, what sort of topics were covered 10 years ago in the magazine when it first came out? Well, our first feature article we did, I think, was an eye-opener, or at least it was received that way and I guess I was approached by many different people questioning some of the statistics and that sort of thing that I had in there. But it was about the educational crisis in the dental laboratory industry. And I think for the most part, everyone had a general idea of there were problems in uh, the educational programs, folding um, numbers of students coming in. But this really pinpointed uh, the crisis and then took a look at what this meant and how this was going to impact the industry. So that was our first feature article. And then after that, we tackled uh, the global marketplace 
and new types of businesses that were uh, being forged as a result of the adoption of digital technology. And then we tackled what the laboratory was going to look like in 2020, which is quickly approaching. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So we took on some major topics that weren't being talked about or covered in depth and tried to really bring those to light so we could have a discussion about them. The funny thing is, is a lot of those topics are still completely relevant today. I mean, we're still talking about the education crisis. Absolutely. And we'll continue to do that. So they're, they're still, these were major points that hadn't been not really brought to light, I don't think, and needed to be addressed because they're going to be addressed again and again and again mm-hmm. as, we, as we forge ahead. You went through what the IDT vision was when you started. Is that still true today? Are you still looking for the topics that are quote-unquote controversial? We are, uh, for the most part, and and trying to not only in our industry, but also on the clinical side, um, and trying to make sure that we cover, you know, how the structure of dentistry is changing so that you know, laboratory owners can be prepared, better prepared for some of the changes that they're seeing and then how to address those changes. So that is, we're, we're looking to lead the industry, not feed it what it already knows. Sure. How do you go about doing that? I mean, do people email you? I mean, obviously you're at a ton of meetings, but how do you stay ahead of the curve? Maybe you can give me some advice as president of a laboratory, but like, what does that look like? You both, you know, sit there and, and, and kind of talk about it and brainstorm together. And I mean, just like, give me, give me an idea and go your day. What's really ideal is we have an editorial advisory board uh, that we rely on to, to help us. To, they're living the industry, whether they're in dental technology or they're a clinician. And we also have a partner publication. So Aegis publishes Inside Dentistry and Compendium, and we have a whole educational website portal. So we have sources that we can collaborate on all different angles of what's happening in dentistry as a whole. And uh, much of the content of the magazine is peer-reviewed. So we do rely on our sources to keep out everything relevant and uh, give us input every year we go into a planning meeting and we have what we call a editorial summit in the summer and we send out questionnaires to our editorial advisory board just you know to relate to what you're saying on what topics are most relevant and what we should touch on what we may want to stay away from although that's not much yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we also we exhibit it at uh, many of the uh, laboratory industry trade shows, as well as going to international shows like the IDS. I went to the British uh, dental show, what, three or four years ago. So we try to keep current that way, too. I think that really does help. Also, Pam, you've gone to a couple shows outside of the industry, and I've gone with you right. to one or two, like the machine and tool show and And some of the other shows, yeah, and other industries where we can pull on trends that will be coming our way. Absolutely. We also find manufacturers who actually are are playing in our industry but are unknown. So Mm -hmm. 
that I think is also important. Uh, you can't, you know, in, in order to lead in this industry, you have to be able to look outside it to see what is available and what might be coming down the pike and then go to some of those shows to uh, understand those technologies and how they would apply to, to our industry. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's a great answer. Definitely. Uh, I definitely think you guys are winning at the game. That's for sure. I just read your latest magazine October and it was awesome. Great. Thank you. So who's subscribing more? Do you see a lot of dentists subscribe or is it mostly laboratory owners and managers? Our readers are laboratory professionals, owners, managers, key decision makers. The clinical side are ones that have in-house laboratories, but our subscriber base that is audited is of in the laboratory technology. Yeah, how many dentists do we have now? 700 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, there, there are. Wow. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Seriously. And, you know, I think that's, uh, so it's interesting. We're seeing that, you know, we've, we've tried for 10 years to promote the idea of collaboration between dentists and laboratories and how that benefits the patient. And our first venture was the collaboration event at the Greater New York, in which we did for three years. But it, it just wasn't natural. It, it didn't, uh, you know, getting dentists to come and, and getting laboratory uh, owners to participate was difficult. What we have found, uh, and we just uh, concluded our Third, third third, or fourth, International uh, Digital Denture Symposium. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, we have dentists flocking to that symposium. We have laboratories, 60-40, 50-50 mix of, of dentists, prosthodontists, laboratory owners flocking to that event. So without knowing what the result was going to be, uh, we created the event because of the topic and now dentists and laboratory owners are mixing together, educating together, taking workshops together, sitting in lectures together, and talking with each other about this subject matter. And so there's a huge amount of collaboration going on at that event, and it's very well received by both the clinical side and technical side. That's cool. Yeah, that just recently happened. I heard a lot of positive things about it. The timing was wrong this year, but I I plan on going next year. Good. Good. We would love to have you. It It was a very exciting environment, and the feedback that we got was just so... Phenomenal. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, It was very educational, and I believe that all of our attendees appreciated that we we kept... And it was unbiased education. It is all of the main stage of workshop lectures were peer-reviewed, and they were peer-reviewed for any sort of bias. Uh, I can't say that we always were successful at at eliminating that in the actual... Oh, sure. But (laughs) for the most part, those are the kind of comments. Dennis came up to me, and he said, I've been to... all the different clinical shows, he said, for years. And he said, never have I been to a show that is as good as this. And he said, the reason is we're not being sold a product. We're actually learning something. So yeah, that's important. Yeah, we've talked about that on the podcast before, how much of a difference it makes when 
somebody up on stage is talking and you can tell when they're trying to sell you something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, it makes a huge difference and it makes for a much better conference. Yep, It does. So let's talk about a few of your challenges. So if you think about running the magazine, what are some of your challenges? I'm sure getting the articles in on time and getting feedback from people, but like day to day, what does your day look like? What drives you crazy? What makes it hard? What makes it challenging? We're certainly a deadline oriented business. So there's only a short amount of time to accomplish a great deal. And now it's not just print. So many other channels, so to speak, whether it's website or it's shows or newsletters um, newsletters or metrics and, and just, you know, strong customer service that we want to offer to our customers and then really relevant content that we want to offer to our readers. So Challenges are daily, Barb. Um, you know, some are, are more difficult than others, and you got to just roll with the punches to get through them. Um, probably a challenge would be that people are disseminating information now from so many different sources, whether it's a print publication or a podcast, or they're setting up their own channels. So there's just so many, a variety of ways that readers can can get their information that we are challenged with staying relevant, staying really uh, a strong source. Yeah, that, that, that we can actually have channels that match what the different generations of our readers really want. And I think that is a huge challenge to provide all those different channels so that uh, learning is taking place in multimedia rather than a single media. Yeah, and what was really interesting, when we first started off with a lot of digital opportunities, everyone's saying, oh, the lab side is slower to adopt and whatnot. But what we found is our industry are very tech savvy, and they're on their computers a lot more than the dentists are, and they are using those those sorts of uh, you know, whether it's email or they're you're reading newsletters or whatnot. So it was an interesting trend to see how that shifted where our industry is very savvy with the digital side, as well as wanting the print to be able to see their quality pictures and, and look at a case and study it and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I like your point about it being generational. You know, I've got a 20-year-old, almost 21-year-old son who I'm training to be a ceramist. And, you know, he's he brings all sorts of things to me that he's found on the Internet and he's read this and he's read that. And I'm just like, wow. And then you have your, your, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. You know, there's some of us that don't even go on the Internet. You know, some of us older, not us, but some, uh, you know, older folks. Sorry, Elvis, you're going to have to edit that out. But um, you know, and then you've got your, your 20 year olds and your, you know, that generation that's just coming at you. So I can imagine that would be. And everyone's on the go, Barb. They're looking at their phones, you know, they're looking at their computers that when they're on a plane or a train, uh, they want their news and their information. Now they don't want to wait till they get back to the office. So those kinds of, uh, immediacy are still challenging and we're still looking at ways that we can provide more information faster on a daily basis or a weekly basis um, that will be helpful and uh, to the conversations those lab owners are having with their clients or with another lab owner, 
you know, whatever it may be, but it's somehow going to help their business and their business acumen. Definitely. So do you ever have a magazine come out and, you know, you started a story and by the time it was published, it was not as relevant as it was when you wrote it? Or does it not move that quick? I think the topics that we cover don't move that quick. Mm-hmm. And I would never pick a topic that I knew was changing that rapidly that within a month it was irrelevant, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, we start, we're on a three-month basis, so we're working three months ahead. But still, that's pretty rapid. We have to be careful with that to ensure that you know, what we say today has disappeared, you know, two months ahead, you know, two months from now. So, but to answer your question, no, not so far. And I hope we never do. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. (laughs) Somehow I don't see that happening. I think you guys are good to go. I was just looking at the DSO article and the comment you made about 21 and 21 to 37. I think Dennis, you know, and just talking about Dennis and how they're changing and how they're selling to, you know, the DSO organizations and, you know, they're showing them how to be operators and how to run businesses and just how, how challenging that is as well. So it's not only challenging for us, it's challenging for the doctors. And- uh, absolutely, Barbara. I think that's why you're finding, um, in fact, I was just talking to my nephew's wife, who's a pediatric dentist, and she's being faced with, she works in associateship and the owner wants to sell to her. And she said, well, I don't, the business aspects are just daunting to her. And she said, I'm not sure I want to do that. And I said, well, you don't do that. You hire a business manager. And I think, you know, and I think in our industry, as we become more consolidated, more sophisticated, that's going to be the biggest challenge for labs is having someone who manages the business so that you can manage the customer's and you can manage the production. But all the business aspects, you know, really, we're not good business managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very knowledgeable about uh, our industry and what makes a great restoration and what needs to be done with this full mouth reconstruction. But as we move forward, business and how to project the future and how to prepare for the future through a managing that process, I think is going to become more and more vital. Mm-hmm. You see an awful lot of lab owners that sit at the bench a lot in our industry. And I think you're right. I think it's important for them to partner up with someone with a more business sense of mind to uh, accomplish a greater good. Yeah, exactly. So when I was doing some research, I was looking at your website. Do you guys have control over the website? <music> A big thank you to Valerie and Pam. Join us next week as we talk more with them about some of the exciting things they do in our industry that's not directly related to publishing a monthly magazine. IDT is known for being a big supporter of our industry. Thanks, ladies. You're amazing. All due respect. So later this week is the Visions 21 meeting at Bally's in Las Vegas. At the time that we are recording this, Indiana is about to get between four to seven inches of snow in the next (laughs) couple of days. So I am ready to get out of here. Awesome. I mean, granted, knowing Indiana, it means we'll only probably get half an inch, but I am ready for some warmer weather. So the meeting starts on this Wednesday, so you can still actually get a last-minute plane ticket and come out and attend one of the best meetings of the year. Barbara and I will be there recording some content for future episodes. So if you're attending and want to be part of the podcast, find Barbara and I and we'll sit down and have a chat with you. 
And if you're there and you don't want to be on the podcast, that's cool too. Just come and meet us. We'd like to say hi. And there'll be Fireball after five. Fireball after five. That's my recommendation anyways, because it is Vegas. And once everything's all tied up and we've learned everything that we could possibly learn, listen to all the awesome lectures, we're going to party. Just saying. There are some amazing speakers this year and some great content. So I highly suggest if you are one of those people for last minute, get a plane and come out and join us. See you there. And because there is no rest for us podcasters, we are off to Voices of Dentistry in Scottsdale the very next weekend. They were kind enough to invite Barb and I to take part in the only dental podcasting meeting. Rumor has it they have a tent set up for people to record on stage with an audience. Awesome. A rumor also has it that a certain dental laboratory podcast might be invited to be on that stage. Well, make sure wear that yellow duck uniform that you wore at the triathlon because you know <laughs> you want to make a you want to make a statement if you're going to be on stage bro absolutely <laughs> that's how you get in the jdt dress funny <laughs> so hopefully we'll come back with some discussions we will have with some dentists and their view on our industry and you guys all know how excited dentists are so wish us luck all right everybody i appreciate it thank you so much i hope you guys have an awesome week I hope you're busy as hell, and I hope you're having fun. And we hope you come out to Vegas. And we hope you keep listening. Bye. I don't want to say the same thing you said.